This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Custom Inc. is an awesome way to recognize employees, thank customers, and outfit your teams with their favorite products and brands customized with your logo. CustomInc.com lets you make your mark on water bottles, backpacks, polos, jackets, and a ton more. Custom Inc. is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Oh yeah, and everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at CustomInc.com. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me today will be Max Cohen. This episode, we're going to preview the upcoming London Derby as Fulham are away to face Millwall at the Den. Before that, we have some topics to discuss in the Cottage Talk Roundtable as my co-host has written some very interesting things and we're going to talk about them. We have much to discuss in this episode, but before we do anything else, I always have to welcome Max back to the show. Mr. Cohen, how you doing? I'm doing okay, Russ. I'm hanging in there. It's probably the biggest match for our season. I would, uh, I would label the Friday night match against Millwall coming up very shortly, and it'll be fascinating to see how Fulham respond to that draw last week against Brentford to playing the most informed team in the championship aside from us. So a lot Absolutely. to discuss, and I can't wait to get into it today. I look forward to talking with you about it. Like I mentioned to you before we started recording, I've watched so much video on Millwall. I feel like I know Millwall pretty well based on how much time I've been spending thinking about them. This is a very good side, well-drilled side, uh, a team. That's the best way I can put it. It's a team. But they play very differently than Fulham, and we'll get through that. And it, it won't take much to figure out how they play compared to how Fulham play, especially when I share some stats to you. They're uh, shocking how different the teams are just based on stats and uh, the way the teams play. It's very different, but it's going to be an interesting matchup, and I look forward to going through that with you. But before I do that, Max, I I mentioned this to you, and I definitely want to mention this to start the show. I want to mention the upcoming Six Aside charity match to create awareness and raise money for Calm campaign against Living Miserably, the matches between the guys from the Fulm Focus and the Fulmish Podcast. It happens on Saturday, April 21st at Sacred Heart Academy, Clapham. 
and it's taken place to support Foam to Birmingham Walk. Best of luck, guys, and you are all doing this for a very good cause. One last thing on this subject, I want to give a shout-out to Lee Adams, who started these walks for Calm. Lee, you are, are a total inspiration to me because you're making a difference in people's lives. I wanted to mention that before we go. Everyone that's involved with the Foam to Birmingham walk, you're all inspirations, but I wanted to single out Lee because what you're doing is something very special. All right, very good there. All right, let's get into the show, my friend. Let's let's talk some, some foam. And uh, like I mentioned, Max has written some very interesting articles, and I highly recommend you go into the boot room and reading what Max has to say, not just about foam, but some other teams as well. He's been prolific, as uh, I, I, I definitely have to say. So many articles. Check out Max. But, Max, let's start with your article about Che Yojo. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so I really want, just want to tell um... – Mainly Liverpool fans who might not know that much about Shea Ojo's season at Fulham, uh, really how he's, how he's been doing. Because there were so many high hopes for Shea Ojo uh, when he joined Fulham just this summer. He had played, he's played actually eight Premier League matches for Liverpool, which is pretty impressive uh, considering his young age. He's only 20 years of age. And I really just recapped the season. And it's really a season that's split into a number of different sections. He started probably not the best. Um, he didn't necessarily endear himself immediately to foreign fans. And some supporters really wondered, you know, what, what was he doing in the first team squad? He didn't really have that much end product in the first couple of months. But then there was that fine spell from November to December, in which he scored all of his four goals for the club, uh, including the standout performance, which I talk about is our 5-4 win over Sheffield United. He had an amazing brace. Oh, he was great. He was great. And that assist to Ryan Sessegnon. And that was really a period where he thought he could really, really push on. And then he had those crucial goals against Barnsley. Um, against Millwall and Birmingham in, in those matches when he made, he made the difference at times. But then again, it just uh, didn't, hasn't really quite come off for him in, in recent weeks. And with that kind of uh, selection headache and the right wing position, he struggled to nail it down consistently. And the one match I really point to as being a turning point most recently uh, was the match against Sheffield Wednesday. Yep. When I think everyone could kind of universally agree it was not his finest moment. He got into a lot of good positions, that's for sure. But the finishing was pretty poor. Every shot he took seemed to just dribble with absolutely no pace towards the keeper. And that's kind of where we, we are now with him really not even making the match day squad in the past couple of matches. And, you know, that leads to me thinking, you know, what's next for Shea Ojo? Does he have a future at Anfield? At this moment, it doesn't look like he does. And probably another championship loan spell is what I conclude uh, is what's going to come next season for Shea Ojo. Well, what's interesting about him, I had high hopes for him as well, Max, but I talked to a Liverpool supporter before we got him and he described him as a player that has a huge amount of pace and huge amount of upside but wasn't quite the finished product and uh did a a good amount of running but just couldn't convert his opportunities i'm paraphrasing from my conversation a while ago but that's what i remember him telling me is that he just wasn't the finished deal i think that's what we're seeing max exactly i mean he obviously has a lot of promise we know that in the positions he gets into but his decision-making in the final third, his finishing quality, certainly his passing quality just is not there yet. And we don't, we shouldn't be too harsh because he, he's only 20. There's a lot of time right. left for him to develop. But I think we've really been spoiled by, you know, just the maturity if you compare him to 17, 17-year-old Ryan Sessegnon and the maturity Sessegnon shows in attacking positions compared to Ojo. I think we're almost spoiled with that amazing example at our club that Ojo seems pretty poor in comparison. 
To be fair, Max, I think Ojo's been dealing with uh, an injury, just to be fair on that, the last couple of matches. He's not going to be available, according to Savisa, on the full mob Twitter page from his presser. He mentioned that Aite and Ojo were not available. So I'm assuming that it's injury-related. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, he has had quite a bit of injury uh, this season. He hurt his shoulder against QPR um, before the international break back in September. So that's definitely probably a factor to why his season hasn't quite uh, gone as well as he hoped. So we, we should come some slack in, in that department that he has had a tough year. He has. Uh, I think staying healthy has has been a little bit of an issue. I, I see the promise, but I also have seen this from other players. Max, I'm glad that you mentioned he's 20 because he still has a chance to turn into uh, a quality player. But uh, I've seen other players that this is who they turn out to be. Let's hope that's not who he turns out to be, Max, that he'll He'll get the other side of the game because he certainly has the pace, the speed, and it looks like he has the ability. He just isn't able to be consistent with the uh, finishing touch. And if he becomes that, then uh, I think he'll be a very good player someday. But right now he's just, like you mentioned, inconsistent. All right, Max, let's now talk about Ryan Sassignon getting these awards at the EFL Awards. Talk about what you wrote. I mean, it was remarkable if you look at all the awards he got. I mean, first and foremost, getting championship player of the year. He's going up against the likes of Tom Kearney and Ruben Neves, two really unbelievable players. And the fact that he won that over those is just its such an amazing accomplishment. It speaks volumes to one at the start of the season. We were discussing him as one of the best young players in the championship. And now he's simply the best player. There's no need for a qualifier before that. He's just the best. And That's I think crazy. It, it is crazy to think that he's had this season. And a lot of fans on Twitter, Wolves fans in particular, I highlighted in this article, were not happy that Ruben Neves did not win it. But honestly, if you look at, if you look at the statistical breakdown, Sessegnon deserved it. He's been more productive. I'm in the final third. He scored more. Uh, he's also assisted many. His key passes are superior. His pass completion, um, chances created, assists, gold scored, shot actually. I mean, all these key stats are far superior to Ruben Neves. Um, and you could argue he's been more important to Fulham than Ruben Neves has been to Wolves. So to beat a player like that, you know, Ruben Neves has played in the Champions League before, he's captained up Porto. That's another fantastic accomplishment. And then the most impressive impressive thing for me is that he's also won all the young player awards. He's on the apprentice apprentice of the year, young player of the year. He's in the developed eleven of the year, which shows that he's still, you know, he's winning these young player awards and the senior awards at the same time. And he's only 17 years old, which is just mind-boggling, honestly. Okay, excellent there, Max. And uh, it's great to see him getting all these accolades. Uh, It's been an incredible season for Ryan Sessegnon. And uh, I understand why Wolves fans would be upset, but I'm glad that you mentioned the statistics. They back up Ryan Sessegnon and what he's done. And what's very impressive from him, Max, is that we have to mention that some of these goals come at left back. Yeah, exactly. And the, his majority of the se- of the matches he started had been at left back, which makes his finishing ability and his strike rate even more impressive because when he gets chances, he takes them immediately. You know, when he's in those four positions, he simply does not miss. He's so lethal, uh, so devastating. And that's one of his finest attributes is how he has that natural knack for putting the ball in the back of the net that I've never seen from a player his age. I've never seen from a left back, that, that's for sure. So we're just so lucky to have him. That's just what I keep thinking. When we hear about discussions about his future, I'm just living in the moment and happy we can have him now. Okay, excellent there, my friend. All right, 
Let's now talk about your article about the response after the draw for foam that it will be telling. Let's talk about what you wrote about this is after the Brentford match. We're now looking forward to the Millwall match. So fill fans in what you were writing about in regards to the Brentford draw and looking ahead. Yeah, so that was right after the Brentford result. And I really singled this out as a really important response because I'd argue the Brentford match was probably the worst match we've played in probably three or four months. I don't know if you agree with me there, but it was just didn't yeah. feel like the Fulham of old that we've been used to um, in, in this 21 match on beaten run. We were nervy. We were flat. We did not deserve that lead, that's for sure, when, when we went up 1-0. And then in another uncharacteristic uh, part of the match, we conceded late on. And that's something we haven't done uh, really since December. We've kept our leads. We've kept clean sheets. And that's what worried me um, in this match is that this felt like a loss we probably deserved a loss from the way we performed. Brentford just came to Craven Cottage and played our game better than we did and pressed us, created more chances when we're attackingly ambitious. And that, that was what was shocking for me. So I said, listen, Fulham have not had to play many matches this season after we've played poorly. They're not used to playing like this. And I think it's going to be really telling to see how they respond against Millwall. Because I agree. Flavis is going to have to say something in training. And the match is arguably the toughest match of the year, away to Millwall, a team in such amazing form, especially at home as well. It's going to be one of our toughest matches. I'd say probably might be as tough as that kind of six-match spell we played against all the teams in the top six. This match might be even tougher. So the way Fulham responds will really define the season. And I argued, listen, second place, that might be out of reach. I still think it is in reach, but regardless of whether we get all mag promotion, we need to win this game in order to get momentum for the playoffs as well. So whatever way you look at it, it's going to be the most important match of the season. Okay, excellent there, Max. And uh, what's interesting about this, I'm glad that you shared your thoughts about Brentford. And uh, I talked about this, that I thought that Brentford matched up so well with Fulham, Max, that I really thought that Brentford was going to be tougher than, say, Millwall. And Brentford turned out to be extremely tough. Millwall, I think, is a different challenge. But for me, I think it's a challenge that they have a better chance of getting all three points. I know that sounds crazy, considering that they had that lead throughout the match. But I look at the matchup, and I just said, Brentford matches up so well. And I think Savisa will have a plan to play against a team that plays direct against him. It's not the first time they played against a team like this. So I looked at the two matches, and I said to myself, Brentford is the tougher match. Now, I've watched a good amount on Millwall, and uh, I'm very impressed with what I saw. So I have to give them the respect that they deserve. I had respect before, but I have even more respect. But I still think that I'm going to stick by it, that I thought Brentford was going to be the tougher match. I'm not changing my mind on that. So that should give you an idea how I feel about this upcoming match against Millwall. Uh, I, I have better feelings towards this one. I know it's going against what everyone's thinking but I feel better about this than I did Brentford. Do you understand where I'm going on that? I think that's a really good point to make, Ashley Ross, because you're right in that the way Brentford played was almost very similar to the way we play. Exactly. A lot of it was a matchup a thing. Matchup yes. thing, which, which I think I, I can take heart from what you say about Millwall because I, I do agree they're going to play a more direct, yes. one physical <laughs> side of play, which we've shown in the past. We, we, we can deal with that, whereas teams like Brentford – they have always been teams who are going to trouble us. So I do totally understand what you're saying, and I think that's a really good point to bring up there. Well, again, 
when I look at uh, Millwall, and we're going to now just get into talking about Millwall, this is a true team. I, I'll start off with my opening thoughts, and then I'll go to you. It's a team that plays together. It's really one unit. They all work together. There are no superstars on this team. There are just players that play together. That's what's impressive about them. Everyone has their role. They all play their roles very well. And they are extremely direct. This is old-fashioned 4-4-2, my friend. You make a mistake, and they are going to try to counter you as quickly as possible down the wings, and then they're going to cross it in the box, and then they're going to try to score that goal. They are going to try to make havoc for you by basically countering you extremely quick. A lot of long balls, a lot of crosses, a lot of play in the box. That's what they want to do. And uh, you cannot make a mistake. If you give up the ball, Fulham are going to have a huge amount of possession in this. They cannot be sloppy with their passing, or they are going to get burnt by a team that is waiting for you to make a mistake, Max. This is what I've seen from Millwall. I watched all these videos on them from several matches and I look back at ours and I said okay here's a team that just cannot wait for you to make a mistake it doesn't take much for them to score a goal and they've scored goals early too which is shocking they they scored a, a few goals in the first minute of matches so you have to be up on them the minute the match starts because they are flying out of the boxes so that's something to consider as well it's a dangerous team it's a direct team but Savisa has a quote here, Max, that I'm going to read. And this is something that gives me more than a little hope because obviously everyone has a game plan. And this goes back to my fearing Brentford a little bit because I thought Brentford was a matchup issue. This is what Savisa had to say about Millwall. You know, and again, he had some very nice things to say about Millwall. But this is what he had to say. And I want to get your thoughts on it. Quote. We know how Millwall play, so we can't be surprised. We're ready for everything. Every team has strengths and weaknesses. Max, that last part, weaknesses, stands out to me, okay? Because there are not going to be any surprises there. He's going to know how to attack them and take advantage of their weaknesses. So those are my opening thoughts. That's why I'm feeling even more hopeful about this match. When I see who we're playing, I know the coach and the team is going to be prepared. It's going to be about execution, Max. For sure. And I think the comments Slavisa made certainly give us confidence because he knows what, what we're in for. Slavisa's right. not going to kid himself. He's not going to play um, a way in which he's not going to change his base. He's not going to change his style of play just because we're playing Millwall. We're yeah. not going to be scared by anyone. And I think he knows if we play the way we like to play. If we play the style of play that's gotten us these amazing results over the past 21 matches, we're going we're gonna to get the victory here. Because he knows that if we play football against a team that wants to go direct, they really can't touch us. Um, and and that's, like, that's what makes me optimistic about this match. And I'm, I'm really agree. The more, the more you say things, the more I'm agreeing with them is that this might not be as tough a match as, as I think the Brentford match will be. Again, I'm not trying to downplay how difficult Millwall are because I think that they are difficult. But I think it's an opponent that, if Slavisa has his game plan set and the players know what they need to do and if they just execute, I think they will get their chances and get their opportunities. And Max, for me, the X factor in this match, because when you're playing a team that plays as a unit like this one, it can come down to a magical moment. We have something they do not have. They have a very good striker in Morrison. He's, he's very good. 
He's no Alexander Mitrovich, okay? And I think he'll end up being the difference in this match. He even showed it in the Brentford match. We did not play well. One magical moment almost got us all three points. Thankfully, it got us a point. If it wasn't for Mitrovic, we would have nothing, okay? I'm talking about in that match against Brentford. He can be the difference. That's how big of a difference that guy has made to Fulham Football Club, Max. And when I look at this match and I look at the teams and I say, who can pull off that moment of brilliance? We have it. We, we had that cutting edge. And Mitrovic, you, you mentioned it. All he needs is one chance, and he takes that chance expertly. We've seen that time and time again this season, and he has not We saw met, it against Preston North End. We've not met a center back that can contain him. And that's what gives us an advantage in every single match we go into because we have the best goal scorer in the championship. That's right. And he's been on amazing form, and no one can stop him. And so all we really need is Millwall to make one mistake. And if he gets that chance, there's no doubt he's going to take it. So right. automatically, we, I think we go in, in there with the upper hand. And I think we have to take into account that teams are scared of us. You know, We may look at Millwall and we say, well, they have a very good run of form. But we have a better run of form. And that's saying a lot considering they've gone 16 matches unbeaten. But we're the team no one wants to play. And when teams enter that match with us with that, with that knowledge that we haven't lost since December 16th, that, that's just such a confidence factor. That's such a, um, a mental thing that they're going to have to deal with they're almost focusing on, on the record before they even focus on the team that we're playing out there. Yeah. So we, I think we have an upper hand in many occasions. I think in this matchup, the way I look at it, the way that the teams are so different, built so differently, I think talent rises to the top when you're playing in a match like this. And I think we have more talent, and I think it's going to play out that way. Millwall will not make it easy for us, but I think we will get our opportunities, and then it will come to that cutting edge. We have it now. And that's why I think Mitrovic is going to be my number one key in this match. Just give him one opportunity. He's going to score. It might just be that. It might just be that one goal that we need. And this is going to, you know, again, this is going to be a huge challenge. But I just see it as one that the team, I truly believe, are prepared for. I read that quote. That gives me confidence. I might be out on a limb being so confident for this match, but I believe in this team against Millwall. I know the Den is incredibly difficult to play. They have this incredible record. I've seen Fulham beat Wolves. If Fulham can beat Wolves, they can beat Millwall on the road. That's the way I look at it. And I know how difficult this matchup is, where it's being played, but I do like Fulham's chances. So I haven't heard many people feeling very confident about this match. The more I watched, it wasn't that I was getting scared. I was starting to get more confident because I know how we can play. And I know who did not play in the first matchup. And that was Kevin McDonald did not play in the first matchup, Max. And he'll now be back involved. And I think he will help counteract some of the things that Millwall want to do. He will give that extra protection to help that back four that they're going to need against an opponent like this. He did not play the first time. And this is a team that is going to come at you and come at you. And they want to come at you in numbers. When they break, uh, it comes very quickly. Those long balls come very quickly, and the players get in the box, and then and then it's it's danger time. But if we do our jobs, if everyone does their job, they can win this match, and I feel that they will win this match. I'm, I'm basically telling you already what my prediction is, but I'll get to that mm-hmm. a, a little bit later there, my friend. All right, let's start here because I think this is going to, not open your eyes, but some people might not aware of the differences between the teams. And I think 
the stats comparison is really going to show it. So I get these stats from whoscored.com. Max, here they are. This is where the teams are in the league in several different categories. Let's start with goals. Millwall are 11th with 55. That's good. Fulmer second at 73. Shots per game. Millwall are 8th at 13.3. Fulmer 6th at 13.9. Let's go to possession. Millwall are last in the league at 43.6. Fulmer first at 57.3. Passing success. Millwall are 23rd at 62.0. Fulm are first at 82.8. Crosses per game. Millwall are tied at 4th with 21. Fulm are tied at 20th with 16. Aerials. Millwall are first in the league at 34.7. Fulm are dead last at 16.4. Long balls. Millwall are tied at 6th with 80. Fulm are dead last at 60. Short passes. Millwall are 23rd at 228. Fulm are first in the league at 485. Okay, Max, I think the stats back up fairly strongly <laughs> the differences between these two sides. I mean, there was a caricature of themselves in those stats. I mean, first possession, last possession, you know, first passing accuracy, like 23rd passing accuracy. It, it's almost remarkable. Um, I don't think you could have made these stats, you know, any more perfect. If you, if I'm not making it. these stats no, up. No, I know. If, if you, we sat in a room and tried to think of, like, the antithesis of what Fulham played, like, I don't think we could make that <laughs> – as the truth. This is the polar opposite. And, and that's remarkable. I mean, you th- I think a lot of people have preconceptions of the way Millwall play or the, of what they think of Millwall as a rough-and-tumble team who go direct. And they might be thinking, well, you know, maybe they're having some success in the championship this year. Maybe they've changed it up a bit. But I think this only goes to reinforce those. Um, and the fact that they play an old-fashioned British 4-4-2 yeah. just goes to serve that. We know the way they're going to play. They're going to yep. be direct. They're not going to be interested interested in possessing the ball at all. They're going to give nope. us a lot of the ball in, in, in that instance. They're just, they they're just ball, waiting for us to make yeah. a mistake, Max. Exactly. That's the way it works. Exactly. So that's that's almost hardening to me that that the stats are so polar opposites because in in the match we've seen this season that plays so well into Fulham's hands is when teams yeah. play direct. That plays so well into our hands. It does. It, it tends to. Yeah, exactly. Because the more of the ball we have, the more we're making the opposition run around. And the tired they get, and I think that's a really key factor into why we have so many late goals scored yeah. by us this season, is that the opposition gets exhausted running around the entire match. And if they're only going to have 40 43% possession, that's going to be really exacerbated. And we're just going to break them down in, in the way that we can. And they're not going to be able to keep up with our passing ability. There's no chance. Well, again, a team that plays this way has to be fit. So they're probably very fit. But when you get to the later stages, I think of someone, I'm going back to Mitrovic, who can take advantage of you when you're just even a little tired from all the running that you're going to be doing. And that's when he's probably at his most dangerous, his late matches. Because let's be honest, Max, think about when he's been scoring many of these goals. They seem to be in the second half and late. And that's why he is so dangerous. And again, I keep going back to him as being my key for this match. And I just see... The team I see, Millwall, team that I have the utmost respect for, I really do. I respect this team. I respect how they play. They believe in the way they play, and they should. It's been very effective. What they've done this season has been incredible, okay? So has what Fulham have done, and I just think that in the end, our style can outdo their style, and I think that's going to be the difference is which style is going to win out, 
I think it's going to be full in style. They might have the players that can play the 4-4-2, but we have the players that, that can play the 4-3-3 and create havoc at ends of matches, and we have that extra quality of a striker that can score that goal when you need it. And I think that's going to be the difference in this match. All right, my friend, I'm, I'm now going to go through team characteristics of Millwall and uh, see if they uh, are similar to what we're talking about with this uh, stats comparison I've already given you. Let's look at strengths. Very strong counterattacks, creating scoring chances, aerial duels. They're strong at creating chances through individual skill, attacking set pieces, and defending set pieces. Weaknesses, they are weak at avoiding offside, defending against long shots, and they're very weak at keeping possession of the ball. Style play, take a lot of shots, long balls, attempt crosses often, control the game in the opposition's half, attacking down the right in a consistent first 11. Max, I think uh, what I just read to you pretty much emphasizes what we've already been talking about in regards to Millwall. Yeah, it really speaks for itself um, in terms of the style of play. They take shots. They go direct. They don't possess very much. They're good at set pieces. We know, we know what we're going to get from Millwall. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is they're on the 16-match winning run. What they're doing has been successful. But one thing that they have not faced in this 16-match unbeaten run is a team with the quality of Fulham. So I think that's going to be the difference on, on the day. Okay, excellent, Max. What did you take away from the first time the teams played? Yeah, I think we, the main thing I'm going to take away from that is just how different the Fulham starting 11 will be on Friday than it was back then. Because you mentioned it with uh, McDonald uh, missing yep. from the starting 11, but it goes so much deeper than that. David the Button four, yeah, was Button, David Button's goal. Uh, the, bat, the center back pairing was Callis and Adoy. Of course, That's now it's probably right. going to be Reem and Adoy. Reem was out, you're right. Sessegnon is playing left back instead of Matt Target. Uh, midfield three has Norwood in it instead of McDonald. And I'm going to go on the limb here and say the front three is going to be completely different because it's Rui Font, Shea Ojo, and Nisans Cabana. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and, and I reckon it's going to be Mitrovic, uh, Piazon, and Sessegnon. So, I mean, you have, let's see, that's four, um, that's almost six changes to that starting 11. And that's remarkable. Um, so we're going to see a really polar opposite full inside. And I think that match was really a nervy game for us. We got a very fortunate penalty right at the end of the first half. Um, and we did not look comfortable at all. You know, right. Marcelo Giallo had to be subbed on in the closing moments just to maintain the lead. So it shows how much we were hanging on. That was at a period when really we, we were pretty low on confidence. Uh, we're definitely not playing the way we're playing now. So I really expect a different approach from Fulham uh, than back in late November. Okay, excellent, Max, because the team was very different. And uh, the Millwall team, I think, is fairly similar. That There might be a few changes. Ryan Tunnicliffe hasn't been playing every match, so that might be something that might be a little bit different. But beyond that, I think it's a pretty similar team. It's, it's a quality team. It's a solid team. But uh, I think the Fulham team are very different from the team that they played uh, at Craven Cottage. All right. Which Millwall players concern you the most? I'll, I'll say it right now. I think Morrison concerns me a great deal and, and George Saville. Those are the two players that stand out to me. How about you? Yeah, you know, uh, Steve Morrison is a very experienced player in the Football League. He knows how to get a goal. He's going to be a massive worry um, for our defense. Also, I'm taking a look at Sean Hutchinson, ex-Fulham player. Yes. Very solid. Played very um, well. Played very well, along with Cooper. That's a very uh, fearsome center-back pairing. 
Um, in addition, you know, we might have Ryan Tunnicliffe coming off the bench. Yep. He played well in San yep. Midfield recently. Um, he's not quite of a starting spot. And also Tim Cahill, although he's featured very sparingly <laughs> since he joined. He's like 37, he 38, 30 years old. Late on the match, if the match is yeah. on a, a, a razor, thin edge, if he comes on, I'd be nervous about him because he just has that scoring knack. He's very old now, but players like that, their quality stays with them for a long time. Absolutely. But you look across his team, and you don't see many huge names, I think with the exception of probably Morrison right. um, and Cahill. Those are probably the most household names people would know. And Saville, but this team works as a These are quality players. Man. Quality players. Just, yeah. yeah. And, they, and they execute Neil Harris's game plan uh, yes. to perfection. And that's almost the most uh, dangerous part of the team is not individuals, but how they can play together. It's a machine, exactly. Yeah. It is. That's what I watched. And when I watched them, they play so well together. It really is a well-oiled machine, the way they play the 4-4-2. I know what they're trying to do, and everyone has a job, and they just do their jobs. And that's why they are on this uh, unbeaten streak of their own, which is impressive. It's impressive. They deserve to be where, where they are right now. They've earned it, uh, just like we've earned it. All right, Max, who are your key phone players for this match? I've, I've already raised my hand and said it's Mitrovic. How about you? I, I think a key player we also have to look at is going to be Kearney. He's so central to okay. our style of play. I think he needs to have a very controlling game where he gets, in, 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 gets stuck in, controls the tempo, if you control the tempo, I think that's a really key to success for us. And that's all going to go through Tom Kearney. Another player I'm looking at is Matt Target. He's such an assured defender. He's going to come in through a lot of fire, I think, in opening stages of this match. And we know how confident and mature he can be. I think this is another match where he's going to show his, um, his defensive qualities that are well beyond his years. So I expect him to be another standout performer as well. Okay, excellent, Max. Let's get to it. What do Fulham need to do to win this match? How do they beat Millwall? <sighs> I think they just need to do what, what, what they know how to do against teams like this. They need to possess the ball. They need to uh, control the game. They need to make Millwall chase the ball. And if we deny them possession, and if we don't make mistakes, then they're not going to offer, I think, that much in attack for us. If we can kind of strangle them uh, and keep the ball in their half when we kind of mount attack against attack against them, they're going to start sitting back. They're going to start getting tired. They're going to become frustrated. And the more we pass it around them, the more they're probably going to resort to fouling tactics to try to break up our style of play, which I think is just going to um, work in our favor. And once we get those goals, I think we'll be solid at the back. And I think I'm really confident. What you mentioned before about Slavisa, he knows how to play. The players have been working hard in training. I think that Brentford match is really going to leave them with a sour taste in their mouth. Yeah. Something that they have not felt in a long time, mind you. Even though it was a draw, I think they're going to feel it like a loss, and they're going to come out and react accordingly. I agree with that, and that's another reason why I'm feeling confident going into this match. And maybe I shouldn't feel as confident as I do because uh, I've seen a good amount on social media people really worried about Millwall, and I understand why. And I've given you the reasons why you could be concerned. I'm still concerned. Of course I'm concerned. But I also know my team, and I know how – they can uh, react to uh, a situation that did not go their way. It was a draw, but many will say it felt like a loss. And if you're a player and you, you uh, give up that late goal, it probably felt like a loss to you, even though you still got a point. You earned that point, but you probably feel like you should have had more. So they might have something extra to prove here. And, they, you know, and again, I'm expecting a positive response. I really am. This team can show you a positive response. I'm expecting a positive response, Max. All right, 
Let's get to your starting 11. It's a good question. Um, you know, there's always going to be that decision. Who do you put in that right wing spot? Because it's the thing everyone's going to be looking at. Um, and with Aite and Ojo, I think still going to be out. It's really going to be only one answer, and that's going to be Lucas Piazon for me. So for the team lineup, I'm going to go unchanged from last week's draw against Brentford. Although I do think we need a response. I, I think when Cabano came on, he was bright and lively, but I don't have the utmost confidence in him to start from the first minute. So I'd say Piazon on that right wing spot, uh, rest unchanged, and I'd bring in Cabano with half an hour to go. Okay. All right, so you do have Nikskin's Cabano getting involved, which I which I do like. All right, Max, it's time for predictions. Before I get your prediction, I give you mine. I'm going to share a couple polls I did. Let's start with a Twitter poll I did earlier today on Cottage Talk Twitter page. I had 176 votes, Max, for a full win, 59%. A draw, 24%. A loss, 17%. Okay. Now let's go to the Cottage Talk Facebook page. Unfortunately, there are only two options, so if someone thinks it's a draw, they have to leave it in the comment section. The only options are win and loss. Max, I had a good amount of votes, so I had 246 votes. Win, 85%. Loss at 15%. That's pretty good. But I'm going to read some of the comments here because I have some comments, and some of them are going to mention the draw. Of course, Danny Fulham mentions this. Where's the draw option? <laughs> Since we are quite good at that. Come on, you whites. Yes. Tim Webster, 2-0 to Fulham. Alex Keith, Will Doom, unlimited faith in this Fulham side. We're just better team than they are. Steve Butters, win. June Hammond Baker, definitely win. Come on, you whites. Ingrid Agron only just says, come on, you whites. Stephen O'Keefe, I've hit win, but think a draw. But if any win, it's going to be us, basically. David Burbridge, draw, and Philip Lightburn, Millwall are much bigger club than Foam so Millwall win. He must be a, a Millwall fan, I'm assuming that. So, Phil, thank you for commenting, and I got that in there. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. All right, Max, time for your prediction before I give you mine. You know I'm predicting a full win. It's just a matter of what the score line is. What's your prediction? You know, Russ, I wouldn't be myself if I did not predict a win. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say Millwall nil, Fulham one. It's going to okay. be a tight match. Um, we're not going to, it's not going to be a walk in the park for sure, but I think we will outlast them um, and keep the clean sheet most importantly. I think we'll have a really good resolute defensive performance led by Tim Ream um, and that Matt Target especially. And I think it's going to be that main man, Mitrovic, with a goal in this one. Okay. Max, I thought about going with your prediction. And then uh, I heard some commentary on another podcast from uh, a Millwall supporter. And he's saying, okay, you know, I I think we're going to edge it one, but I could see it being 2-0. So when I heard that, I thought, okay, fine, you've made my prediction now. I'm going to predict, Max, uh, Millwall nil, Fulham 2, just because I heard that. (laughs) It ticked me off. So I'm I'm not gonna go with one nil. I'm gonna go <laughs> I'm gonna go two nil. All right, great show there, my friend. I've enjoyed that. Any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, you know, final thoughts. Um, certainly, I think our second place ambitions took a hit after that draw against Brentford. But let me make it clear that <clears throat> it's by no means over. If we win all three of our last matches, 
which is a big ask, but I think something that we can definitely do realistically. Then Cardiff can win two matches and draw two. And okay. now I think a lot of people look at Cardiff results and say they'll do more than that. But Derby County way, that match is going to be tough. I think they're going to drop points there. And then there's a host of other matches which look winnable on paper, but I'm going to say Hull City for you. I question people to look at Hull City's recent results. Yep. They drew Wolves. They drew Villa. They thrashed QPR 4-0. And I've watched Hull City play at least one of those teams that you just mentioned. I can't remember. I think it was Aston Villa, and they made it very difficult on Villa. Exactly. And if they can no, do it yeah. against Aston Villa, they can certainly do it against Cardiff City. They're no walk in the park. I think it's still a possibility. I, would, I was going to tell people, don't give up hope in second place. I know it looks unlikely, but listen, <laughs> after this Friday night match, we're going to know a lot more. Of course, we have to win to keep up our hopes, but we're both predicting the three points. I think this Fulham side have it in them. And with this yep. win, I think the pressure just builds again on Cardiff. So we'll wait and see. Second place, the dream is not over. Okay, the dream. And since you keep saying that, Max, <laughs> nothing would make me happier, say, by the end of the season when I can just say Max was right the entire time, even though <laughs> – you thought we'd win out, and there'd been a draw or two in there, but still. No, I, Russ, I, I just said we're not going to lose another match till the end of the season. You know, okay, and I, and I, stand I think listen, you're right. You did say that. That I, was a while ago. Russ. That was a while yes, ago. Yes, you actually, you actually said we would not lose again. You did not say we'd win every match. So, I stand corrected. There's a goal to end the show. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but still, I mean, uh, the point stands. Um, it will be very improbable, but I think we'll both welcome it. Let's just hope Absolutely. we can do all we can do. All we can focus Absolutely. on is full results, and that's what we're going to be enjoying. Absolutely, and if this happens, I'm jumping on a plane and going to Philadelphia and visiting you. Okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that, that would be scenes. That, that would be amazing. Okay. All right. Well, let's wrap up this episode of Cottage Talk. For Max Cohen, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.